electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber's at One Market in San Francisco. His exclusive with Disney's Bob Chapek is just moments away. Pretty busy setup this morning. We got this tentative agreement to avert a rail strike. Lots of eco data. Mixed bag, but some signs that prices are falling, not rising. And a $20 billion software deal from Adobe. And that's where our roadmap will begin this morning. Uh, that uh, design deal, Adobe snapping up software design firm Figna. We'll uh, talk to Sean Sununarayan in just a few moments. Plus, as uh, Carl said, Bob Chapek, we've got an exclusive with the Disney CEO. He opens up about his plans for ESPN, cost-cutting, and the future of Hulu. And improving consumer data while inflation concerns linger, Wall Street awaiting moves from the Fed. Carl. <laughs> we'll begin with a busy morning in the markets. Retail sales, of course, the labor deal on the railways. That, uh, that's a huge bullet dodged, would you, would you say, Jim? Look, we just got over, according to uh, Craig Sheldon from Costco, the big jam up at, at, uh, when it comes to the cargo ships. It's, it's over. They even have seven cargo ships they bought or they're releasing. They, they don't really need them. So to get the cargo to the rest of the country right now, which is, by the way, when you stock holiday season, would have been a disaster. It's a disaster uh, averted. Kudos to the Labor Secretary working. I mean, this deal was announced uh, at 5.05 a.m., and uh, it's obvious that every one of these companies uh, is integral. 30% of our country's commerce goes through these companies, and this is integral. We have enough problems with the slowdown in commerce as it is. We don't want to make it so it's a stoppage. Uh, because I, I do think, although Barry Sternlich said, I know we'll get to that, uh, and Jeff Gunlock said, we got a real slowdown in a lot of commerce and uh, e-commerce, everything. So we certainly did not need to see a rail strike. Right. Well, that and that, that reads us right to the eco data uh, today. Retail sales, uh, X Auto and gas is a decline first of the year. Right. Uh, both Empire and Philly prices paid lowest since December 2020. Right. So we have to figure out whether the CPI was a bit more of an outlier. Obviously, it caused one of the worst declines we've seen in two years. But now when you start putting the preponderance of evidence, you begin to start thinking, why doesn't the Fed do 0.75 and then wait? And doesn't this take off the 1.0? Was that maybe just a red herring that we had? The data, it, it can't necessarily undo what's with the CPI, but it does cause the Fed to be able to say, you know what, we're going to do points. We're going to do another triple. But then we're going to wait to see what happens. And I don't think the market will... Uh, be uh, as negative as it would be otherwise, given the fact that these are slower numbers. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Sternlich. Of course, a lot of discussion this morning on Squawk, sort of adding to what Kathy Wood and Jeff Gunlack and even Elon Musk are saying about, uh, in Barry's words, the economy's uh, breaking hard. Take a listen. Now that inflation arrived and actually is headed down, they are raising rates too aggressively. This will be the fifth rate raise, rate rise this year. It's the steepest increase in rates in history. A 
lot of people are thinking that could this be 2007, 2008? The only real paradigm I'm seeing is, is that the Fed just kept moving and moving and moving back then. You have 15, 16 rate hikes, and then you start saying, wait a second, let's look at the impact. I think we're going to see some hard and fast earnings disappointments. And I think they're going to happen much faster than we think. Because I think a lot of companies are going to say, wait a second, what happened to business? People are going to get scared by rate hike after rate hike after rate hike because they, were, they recognize what happened in 2007. Now, Barry Sternlich, by the way, he's a hawk. <laughs> I've known him for a long time. He's a hawk, and he's an enjoyable hawk, but he's a hawk. And it sent shudders through me that he said that because most people I know who are in his position, we say, listen, we need 100, we need 100. And he's saying, wait, I'm seeing differently. So that's a 0.75 in weight, uh, not a 100 and keep going. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. J.P. Morgan today says, you know, GDP and even core PCEs tracking below the Fed estimate, which means in their view, it's going to be hard to get the median dot much above four. Well, I just think obviously we have wage inflation. David is at, at the core. When you take about like look at Disney, how many thousands of employees they have. I mean, can they keep them? Uh, notice the Union Pacific, by the way, was about health care. It was about mental health. It was not about money. David. Uh, it is great to see you. I, I know that Disney, uh, like many companies in the entertainment business, seemed very challenged. But I, from what I've heard already about what you're going to say, it's, it's kind of positive. Yeah, it was an interesting conversation with uh, Bob Chapek. Obviously, it came after his uh, appearance at the Communicopia uh, event not far from here, where any number of uh, both tech and media CEOs uh, were speaking or at least questioned. Um, you know, guys, we haven't had a chance to catch up with Mr. Chapek since Dan Loeb's letter of a number of weeks ago, where he outlined a number of different things he felt the company at least would be uh, smart to take a look at. The thing that jumped out at me in some ways was the was the idea of cost cutting. And so that's kind of where uh, some of our discussion went when I asked him how that letter uh, resonated. We uh, welcome the input from all of our shareholders. And I think all the things that were in that letter are things that we either have talked about, are talking about, uh, uh, or even engaging more in the future. There's, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, the integration of Hulu, which we, we would love to do tomorrow. If, if, if we could, obviously, it takes a willing partner on the other side, at least before 24. But that's imminent anyway. Uh, whether it's ESPN, which we just talked about, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, share buybacks or dividends, those types of things. Right. We've already said that. What about SG&A? Because you know what? It, it, I have to admit, I mean, I've followed the company Cost. closely for years, but that was one area I thought, hmm, you know, and I looked more closely into it. I mean, your SG&A costs, I'm told, excluding parks, were about three and a quarter billion. You know, the only company significantly higher is Warner Brothers Discovery. Your annualized SG&A for Disney across the business has grown from 13 and a half billion in calendar, second quarter 19 to 16.4 billion in the last quarter, this despite three billion of cost synergies. Right. Your CFO, Christine, recently said, we're very, very focused on SG&A. Is yes. there an opportunity there? Oh, there's absolutely an opportunity there. An opportunity that's been underway for several months as we've now come out of the pandemic. Because remember, Disney was one of the companies that was probably the hardest hit by the pandemic. And restarting the business was the focal point. But now that the business is restarted and restarted so strongly with the strength not only of streaming, but of parks as well, we are now focused on 
the maintenance of the business, the running of our business. And we're asking ourselves a lot of hard questions coming out of the pandemic is what does this SG&A world have to look like? Not relative to what it used to be, but in the modern area. What it, and so Christine and I are, as I said in the conference, arms locked on going and making big progress against it. Now, Jimmy wouldn't give me targets per se, but it's interesting to hear Disney CEO talk uh, uh, enthusiastically almost about the opportunity that he sees in terms of potentially cutting costs and something that investors may want to keep in mind. You know, there was a lot in that Loeb letter, but that's kind of at least what I thought was interesting. And when I looked at the numbers, yeah, you know what? There, there is a lot there. We talked, obviously, about a lot of other things, including what they spent on content and ESPN and Hulu, which we'll bring you uh, as the morning goes along. Yeah, this is a great report, David, because one of the things that I'm worried about and you know, obviously came up with your great interview is the balance sheet really is bad here. Mrs. Disney, uh, someone wrecked the balance sheet, and I think that that's got to be addressed. The reason I say it's got to be addressed is because this company used to be a blue chip company. Uh, maybe some cost cuts can do it again, but where's the dividend? Well, what happened here, David? Well, the dividend is not something that they're focused on. It doesn't seem, Jim, in terms of really reinstating a significant dividend um, because of what you just cited Uh, and also because of the focus on what right now is a uh, a business that consumes a great deal of cash, right? Direct to consumer. Right. Um, I mean, you know that they're looking at obviously 24 in terms of sort of the big turn. Obviously, have over 200 million subs. We're talking about this ad tier that is coming and will be significant. And he's and Chapek says uh, and said on the conference, and we talked about it as well. At the very least, margin neutral. But uh, listen, you're right. A lot of debt taken on there, and not to mention, and we'll get to Hulu. Um, you know, if in fact you were and when you are going to buy that out, that's not going to be cheap either. So uh, no. certainly, certainly some some reasonable questions there that you're asking. Yeah. Now, something that could be uh, augmenting that I think is exciting, uh, I look at gambling and I look at what people are doing with really incredible stuff when it, com- when it comes to fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy on Sundays. Uh, and then I hear that they might be doing uh, gambling. But gambling is a very ad-supportive business for Disney. Would they really want to be subscription in gambling beyond what they do now with no. ESPN? No. You know what? I'm no, going right? to leave. I'm going to leave you to listen to. to we have a. We had a, a good conversation around ESPN, and I think that uh, again, they're not sharing a lot of their details in terms of why they believe there's a new growth trajectory for that business. But he did give me a much better idea, and I think our viewers will get a better idea of what they're thinking, Jim. It's not necessarily good. what you just outlined. Jim, while we have, uh, just to come back to you on the market, because, you know, I listen closely to things, uh, obviously, that you say. You were, you were talking with Carl just now about the p- prospect of earnings warnings, right, in, in light of what Sternlick was talking about in the Fed. But, I mean, when we were, he- when we were watching the market um, meltdown on Tuesday, you were, um, was it Tuesday or Monday, uh, you were... You were saying, listen, I like a lot of stocks here, not to worry about that. So I'm trying to, I want to juxtapose those two comments because I'm trying to understand them from you and and how you're viewing things right now. Sure. Uh, But look, I think that e-commerce, the analysts are calling for a slowdown, saying it is slowing. I I don't know. I was at Amazon Web Services. I didn't see it. Uh, But I'm trying to use that example of 
of the, the truth versus the perception. And what happens when people decide, David, you know what, I'm negative. I'm getting scared. I don't want to do things. I want to save money. So I am sanguine about, look, I got a big charitable trust. We're talking about it today at, at 12 o'clock at my conference. I, I think you can build a portfolio away from things that are directly involved with industrial America. Uh, but, David, look, I, I just I listen to very smart people. I'm not changing my mind from when I spoke to you. I just say, wait a second. Uh, if you keep raising and raising, then I think you do change the mindset of the country. Barry Stern looked a very serious observer. Uh, I was quite surprised when he said, not Gunlock, when he said, look, if we keep doing these rate hikes, whatever we think is going to happen isn't going to be as positive. So I like that. I just think that's a very good way to look at it, David. But I, I still see plenty to buy. But I also listen to very smart people who say, don't be so excited about a double or a triple rate hike because that is going to hurt earnings. Well, don't know. Uh, we'll find out uh, next week. Uh, obviously, a lot going on as people uh, play some of their bets. When we come back this morning, we'll talk some Adobe announcing that $20 billion cash and stock deal for online design startup Figma, plus some uh, quarterly results and guidance that came out a little bit earlier than expected. We'll talk about it with Shantanu Narayan. Take a look at the pre-market. Trying to hold the flat line. We'll get to a bunch of calls today, ATVI, some upgrades of hotels, casinos, Tesla, uh, Nordstrom, and a lot more. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Adobe is announcing to acquire design software firm Figma for approximately $20 billion in cash and stock. Company also out with its quarterly results and guidance. Now the shares are falling in pre-market trading, and the stock used to be at 700. So you're looking at stock that's come down a great deal. Uh, but does that mean that the values come down, or just the stock price? Uh, we've got Adobe Chairman and CEO Shantanu Narayan, a, a long being a person who knows about the web, knows about commerce, and this is quite a treat. Uh, Shantanu, this is a gigantic deal. I don't want it to overshoot what, o- overshadow what I think is some pretty darn good numbers. But can you tell us why you're spending this much money? You know what? I'm going to hold off for a moment with Shantanu. Um, you're so much better at this than I am, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, sometimes, um, sometimes the shot goes. But, Jim, to your point that you were going to ask is about valuation, because this is, some would argue, a, a rich price. Right. I mean, one of the things that I look at is that there was a story that we saw from Bloomberg that this company, which is paying $20 billion uh, for, was worth $10 billion, uh, about a year ago. And I think that one of the things we've seen is that 
about a, you saw that this stock fell from the Adobe fell from 700 to 320. I'm very conscious that people who own Adobe are saying, wait a second, what I was hoping would be a massive buyback. I don't want them to be issuing stock. Uh, I, I think this company is such a good company, but you know what? A lot of these companies, Carl, went up such a great deal, and people were too enthusiastic. And now we're looking at them and saying, uh, you know, down here they're issuing stock. I mean, don't, don't we want them to just stand there and buy? I mean, this is a company that peaked in November of last year like a lot of tech companies. Right. Uh, we look forward to asking him about the deal, about uh, some of the guidance on, on recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little interesting. Uh, Bespoke does say this would be the second worst gap down on earnings for Adobe, but in the last 20 years, but obviously the deal is yeah, look, the, makes it a one-off. The sense. worst one was when they switched their model, and that was the greatest time to buy. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Maybe that's a clarion call. We'll have to do more on it. We'll get that interview uh, lined up once we work out the tech. In the meantime, futures again trying to uh, hug close to the flat line. Also, Hans Vesperg with yesterday with some comments about pricing and the uh, broadband wars. We're back in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Carl is trying to get. <laughs> Let's bring in Adobe Chairman CEO Shantanu Narayan. Uh, it's a great treat to have you, Shantanu, and I want to get right at it because you've got earnings that are solid, but you've got a deal that is going to, I think, transform the company because, once again, you care tremendously about creativity. You care about wonderment, the mind, how people can change. Let's talk Figma and why it's worth $20 billion. Well, Jim, it's always great to be on your show, and this is a really exciting and transformative day for Adobe. Uh, When you think about what's happening in the world of collaborative creativity, it's very clear that every single person has a story to tell. And when you think about the entire world of anybody who's trying to create a mobile app, trying to create an interactive web experience, uh, trying to do things uh, that are exciting in terms of how they collaborate and ideate, Uh, We believe that the combination of Adobe and Figma is going to be one of these unique combinations uh, that completely ushers in a new era of collaborative creativity. Now, I know, uh, as you know, I care passionately about your stock. And earlier, uh, right when the Fed started getting tight, your stock was at 700. It's dropped now, probably going to look like 330. Uh, this company that you're buying was valued about $10 billion in June of last year. Now you're paying 20. Uh, can you rationalize what's happening in the stock market versus what's happening at Adobe? Well, let's talk about Adobe, Jim. And, you know, Figma is actually one of these rare companies. Uh, that has achieved incredible escape velocity. They have a fabulous product uh, that appeals to uh, millions of people. Uh, They have escape velocity as it relates to their financial performance and a profitable company, which is very rare, as you know, in software as a service companies. And while they are a rare company, the ability to put together that as well as a company like Adobe is even rarer in terms of how we can both harness as well as accelerate that business. 
You know, from our perspective, uh, when you think about it uh, from the perspective of shareholders, which was your question, uh, we really believe that the combination, whether it's creating this new uh, world of creativity and productivity, it's what we can do as it relates to accelerating creativity on the web, inspiring an entire new generation of designers and developers and stakeholders, uh, it is going to be a great value for their shareholders as well as Adobe's shareholders. I know it's tremendous retention, uh, and along with your company, but I guess what I'm trying to go at, look, you know, uh, you know internet commerce better than anyone I speak to. And I, when I look at how your stock's trading, it's almost as if you were internet commerce, part of the bubble that came from COVID when people worked at home, and now somehow uh, internet commerce must be slowing or your stock wouldn't be going down. Isn't that completely untrue? You're right. I mean, when you look at our uh, quarterly results as well, and if you look at it even relative to what we had said at the beginning of the year, Jim, I mean, the company is really executing. We had strong Q3 results. Uh, when you look at our creative business, the creative business grew 16%. We've exceeded over 13 billion in ARR, uh, you know, which is a record. The document business and everything associated with Acrobat grew north of 20% and powering digital businesses, which is enabling any business anywhere in the world, as you said, to engage in commerce, engage with their digital customers, is also growing double digits. So you put them all together and we clearly are in rarefied atmosphere. As it relates to the stock market, I think if you look at all of tech, certainly all of tech has perhaps, uh, you know, been impacted a little bit by the macroeconomic environment. But you know, we're focused on the next few decades and we continue to believe that Adobe is great value, our best days are ahead of us. And you know, it's up to us to go demonstrate how we can drive both top line growth as well as profitability on the bottom line. Sean, you know, you mentioned the macro uh, and the street did look at the, the Q4 digital media uh, net new uh, annual recurring revenue a little bit below expectations. I mean, is it fair to say that customers are scrutinizing uh, deals at least at, at, the, at the large end right now? Carl, actually our enterprise business, both in Q3 as well as in Q4, uh, you know, we expect to have the seasonally strong quarter. And if you put it in perspective, Carl, uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, we guided to about 1.9 billion uh, in creative uh, and digital media ARR. And if you think about it, with our Q1, Q2, and Q3 outperformance, and what our initial targets are for Q4, that's approximately 1.88 billion. And in these 12 months, as you know, the macroeconomic situation has changed. So while we may have expected at the beginning of the year uh, with our targets to exceed it, these are extremely strong results. And uh, 1.8 billion, we're adding, you know, the size of many, many companies every single quarter. David, you know, I'm uh, back to the deal itself. I mean, you bought back during this uh, quarter 5.1 million shares, but now you're going to be issuing a lot of shares uh, to pay for this deal. I think it's as much as half uh, in stock. Give give your shareholders an idea of why that's the con why that's the uh, composition of this deal. Why not, you know, all cash, particularly if you think your stock is cheap. Huh. Froze again, guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe this is uh, not a good advertisement for Zoom today. I don't know. But 
Well, but Dave does raise a good point, and this is something I talked about during the break, which is that Adobe stock has come down from 700 to 320. What you'd like to have is a $20 billion buyback, not a $10 billion issuance of stock and $10 billion uh, put into the brand. At the same time, David, we got to admit, it, it, there has been a divorcing in terms of, uh, of where tech was in November versus where it is now. It's my least favorite segment versus everybody. And I, I think it's because people have decided this group got too high. Let's look at everything else. Uh, and, and do you see that? I mean, you know, look at a Disney, I think, at 112. I want to buy uh, Adobe. Well, I just was told basically they're selling. So there is this disparity among companies, don't you think? I do. And, uh, and you know, if we get shot new unfrozen, perhaps he can answer that question. I also think, listen, um, you know, the long-term value that he's created uh, for his shareholders, they're not typically going to question his judgment, I would assume, right. Jim, when it comes to a strategic uh, acquisition, even for one that they seem to be paying a very large premium over the last private market value for this company. You know, uh. oh, this is a great company, and it's a company that anybody in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade uh, knows as the company that is creativity, and it's how to tell the story. So I like it. I know, David, though, you, you take a look at what this company that he's buying was worth a year ago, and you look at the other valuations of what's happened in uh, venture capital, aren't you surprised that this one has doubled in, since June? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think we have Shantanu back. He's unfrozen. I think you heard my question, Shantanu, and so I'd love the answer. You know, in terms of buying back stock and now obviously issuing a lot of it, how do you tell your shareholders how you view your own stock? Well, uh, David, certainly uh, as it relates to the issuance of new stock, you are right that the transaction is uh, approximately half in cash and half in stock. And uh, the deal is really all about the top line and accelerating top line. You know, we're an extremely profitable company. And what we have said is we have some aggressive goals in terms of uh, being able to make this accretive in year three, which is rapid uh, as well as driving top line growth. So, you know, I think from the perspective of shareholders, what we've said is we will offset, uh, you know, dilution uh, while the transaction's underway. But we believe that it rapidly uh, actually enables us uh, to accelerate our bottom line EPS as well. Now, Chandra, I just want to be sure no one has a, the pulse of how much business is being done. You've got it. You know what e-commerce looks like. I've got to be sure about this. Is there any sort of e-commerce slowdown or pushback that you see right now? Well, Jim, I think the way you have to think about e-commerce is first, what is directionally happening in the e-commerce business? And that's up and to the right. I think as it relates to maybe the acceleration or the inflection that happened in e-commerce during the pandemic, certainly that's going to slow down and mute a little bit. But we have said through the Adobe Digital Index reports that actually when you think about it month over month, we're still adding billions in e-commerce. So uh, there's no question that directionally uh, it continues to be extremely strong. Maybe the rate of growth, given how large it's become, has been muted as it relates to the global e-commerce. But I don't think that changes the fundamental secular trend in that business. Well, you're true north as far as I'm concerned, and it's created a lot of value. Shot there, Narayan. Thank you so much for coming to Squawk on the Street. And sorry about the stop and start. Good to see you. Thanks again for having me on your show. And I think this is the reason why we need a product like Figma to enable online ideation and collaboration. Thanks, Shantanu. Let's get the opening bell here. And the CNBC Real-Time Exchange with the big board. It is Corporate Financial, AIG's Life and Retirement Division. 
celebrating an, an IPO, Jim. Yes, an IPO. At the NASDAQ, it's a Valkyrie Investments, a digital asset fund manager. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the open here at 39.28. Um, as we were talking to Sean Tanu, Jim, industrial production did, was a miss? Uh, down two tenths, prior up five tenths. Look, I think that we have, we have a shift going on here. Uh, when I look at a humanity and how they're doing, I say to myself, okay, apropos of what David was saying, Jim, do you suddenly dislike the market? No, I like a different part of the market. And by the way, it's a part of the market that's gigantic. The part that is really problematic is the part that relates to industrial. Uh, we bought an industrial stock uh, two days ago for uh, uh, the, the investment club, which we have a meeting for uh, 12 o'clock today, and I was just gutted by it, which was Honeywell. Buy it. Honeywell's doing quite well. They had a presentation yesterday, doing very well. This is the part that I would tell David if you were here, I am worried about. Stock goes down five, even though they make a great presentation. The, the, there are so many pockets where people have given up because of recession. Take the other side. There, if there really is a slowdown, we have created so many companies in this world that take advantage of a slowdown. You have to look toward them. Yeah. Well, I know you're watching Danaher today. Well, that's, that's a perfect example. Open up 2% this morning as they uh, announced the spin of their environmental applied solution businesses. I think that Danaher, which was up 12 earlier, should only, is only up 5. Makes no sense to me. But we need, we need more clarity on the deal, and I think that's the issue. David, I, I want to bring in just on this idea that there, we have a dichotomy going on. We have an industrial economy that people are giving, on, giving up rather rapidly because of the Fed. Then we have so many other companies that are doing quite well that we can't necessarily, uh, let's say, pin the tail uh, of the Fed on them. You're out there. You talk to companies that, frankly, I think are just doing quite well. Could you give us a sense of who you're seeing that is not worried about the uh, near-term future? Who is not worried about the near-term future? Uh, well, you I know, guess I'm, I'm thinking like Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, are they like... <laughs> Actually, you know what? Term. I mean, we're, we, uh, you know what? You're going to have to wait till tomorrow, uh, but I will give you a little preview. Bob Backish at Paramount uh, was very uh, adamant that people are too negative, uh, too negative about the ad market, too right. negative in general uh, about recession and the economy. Um, you know, I will leave it to, to people to judge his comments, which we'll share with you tomorrow. Sorry to tease it so far ahead. Um, but there's one for you. Um, you know, obviously, Paramount shares haven't done too much. They're down 26% for the year. Um, as you point out, Warner Brothers Discovery is down over 46%. Uh, one, uh, one CEO I did speak to yesterday that we want to share uh, a lot of the interview with uh, uh, you a bit later in the program, but a bit more now, is Hans Vestberg from Verizon. I've talked about this company, of course, a lot. In fact, more recently, because its market value was eclipsed by that of T-Mobile and sort of just showing the longer-term ramifications of decisions uh, that are made over time and management. Um, you know, he is still talking about growth and the fact that the company is growing, although yesterday they did slightly take down their sub-ad numbers a bit to consumer. Um, but, you know, you do have to wonder uh, how his investors feel. Take a listen. We have been growing. We have been growing our top line as well. We are a little bit pressed this year. We're going to grow this year, but it's more inorganic as we're both track phone, but we're going to grow our service revenue this year. Are you year. disappointed, though, in the performance of the stock price then, or is it a f reflection of not what you're saying, but what I'm saying? 
I think the stock price is always hard to judge for me. I mean, I think what we are doing is really to make value enhancement and, of course, very focused on our cash generation, which we're uh, best in the market. And that's why we're really trying to think about how we allocate that capital in the best way and then start growing our business again. So uh, many things are actually coming together for us this year. Uh, it was a longer ranging interview that we're going to share most of uh, in the 10 o'clock, Carl. Uh, but, you know, obviously Verizon shares you got a six. 0.3% yield on that stock right now, obviously, and part of a reflection of it being down. You know, to be fair, the 20% this year is not that far off from the S&P's decline of 17.5%. But as we pointed out, over the last 10 years, this stock is, is not up at all uh, yeah. and has, and has uh, you know, underperformed not just the S&P, but the group of which it's a part as well. Interesting, too, David, to hear him defend his decision to raise prices, which is interesting. You know, we're here at the desk talking about how important it is that prices come down. But at Disney and at uh, Verizon, I mean, the idea is at least the last 24 hours is that its prices aren't high enough. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. I mean, for Verizon in particular, it's sort of, you know, how do you defend those cash flows, right? Well, you do it by not being overly promotional, but... You've got T-Mobile that is at a lower price. You've got AT&T that is being fairly promotional as well. It's when you're able to really add more subscribers, but at the same time, as you heard Vestberg talk about, they want to have quality cash flows, which comes from not raising price. So, uh, excuse me, not being promotional. So, yeah, that's a, that's a key balance they have to strike. But, well, yeah, I know, prices are going up for a lot of things, although a lot of these streaming services are not going to have an ad tier that's going to be cheaper for you. Well, <laughs> You know, David, when I went to buy my uh, Apple phone this weekend because I had misplaced it, of course, we have a new one coming out this week. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I got to speak to a lot of people at the store. Uh, this was a University of Washington store. And, and a lot of people were very excited about the fact that there's an eSIM automatic. And I said, what does that mean? And they said, well, you can get off of Verizon really easy and go to T-Mobile. And I'm like, wow. I mean, doesn't that make it so Verizon has to give me an even better deal with my Apple phone than I'm currently getting? Yeah, they may. I mean, listen, Verizon, and again, I don't want to, uh, because we're going to share a lot of these questions that, uh, that were asked and answered by Vestberg, but they have relied on the quality of the network at Verizon for years. That has been their selling point. Certainly in 4G, there was no doubt about it, Carl. Uh, but in 5G, there are more questions in terms of whether they are fully superior when it comes to reliability, when it comes to coverage, when it comes to speed over T-Mobile. Uh, and so you're right, Jim, that becomes more of a question. Do you need to be more promotional? Uh, David mentions, of course, uh, Netflix, and there was the journal piece yesterday sort of uh, peeking into their projections for ad, at least exposure, maybe 40 million subs in a that. year. Not not huge relative to their overall base, but would make them a major destination. It, it and then Evercore today with the upgrade. Yeah, I mean, what's happened, I, I think a lot of people who just are just always itching to upgrade network quality uh, Netflix. And one of the reasons they are is we have, we have this kind of like fang nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> Bang's been Bang's been hit so hard that it's been defanged. I mean, and I yeah, I, I, those of us are listening to Chapek in the interview by by David. We we question why do we want Hulu, which has can I get Hulu without ads, Carl? Yes. <laughs> yes. Chef, Bear. Jeez, uh, back corner. I, all right, but I'm just saying, you know, you know, David, ads. You know why I like Netflix, David. Why? Because when I met Reed Hastings, I was so excited they had no ads. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm supposed to be really excited well, now that they have ads. You know what? From an investor perspective, it may become a significant uh, 
positive. Uh, there are those who believe it will lower churn. You know, you're going to be paying a lesser price. That that cohort that's willing to pay less but get ads may be happier and may at the price point and therefore churn less. That is at least one thought. 40 million may not seem like that much when you have the, as many subscribers as they do, but it's not insignificant what third quarter 2023 is, at least what the journal cited in the, I guess, the memos that they were uh, aware of. Um, this is going to be a big deal for, for Netflix. And by the way, a big deal for Disney as well uh, when they introduce it in December. Um, That's a really good point. You know, and, and the lower price point. Obviously, Chapek says, listen, we priced uh, Disney Plus originally at, a, at a, what he called yesterday a pretty absurd price in terms of how low it was given the value proposition, which obviously he argues has only gone up and therefore allows them to go to 1099 on the main service without ads. And I think it's going to be, what, 699 or is it 799 on, uh, on uh, the ad supported? Um, but guys, the other area that a lot of people have questions about, as you know, we've talked about is ESPN. Certainly Jim has asked plenty of important questions there in terms of what is the future for that, given that they said, no, we're not interested in separating it from the company through, through a sale or perhaps a spin, whatever it might be. Chapek has made it very clear, we want to keep ESPN. And so I did ask him, uh, you know, well, give us a little more here in terms of why you want to keep it and what you believe you can do to create a different growth trajectory than the one it clearly is on as a cable network. I like to look at almost every one of our businesses through the eyes of the ultimate consumer, because I believe if you do that, then you can't go wrong. And I think that's the way we're looking at ESPN. Take those sports fans. What do they want? One of the things they want is the ability to have a frictionless sports betting uh, potential with not having to have four screens in front of you. We, as ESPN, have the ability to do that. Now, we're going to need a partner to do that because we're never going to be a book. That's never in the cards for the Walt Disney Company. But at the same time, to be able to partner with a well-respected third party that can do that for us, that can have the advantage of, you know, creating a seamless integration of the experience with our guests without having to necessarily go out and go to a, another device, I think would be seen as a benefit. Yeah, all right. So sports betting is certainly one idea that, uh, or one area that it would seem gives you a new growth, growth trajectory for this business. Mm -hmm. Is there something else? When are you going to fill us in here in terms of what actually you're thinking about? We're hard at work in our offices, both on the East Coast and the West Coast, figuring out how we make a more uh, friction-free sports environment for our, our, our viewers. And obviously, some of these things take the cooperation of a lot of the people in the ecosystem, whether they be the leagues, whether they be other broadcast partners. But we foresee a world where ESPN, even more than ever, uh, is the pinnacle of all your broadcast needs. And we're excited to continue working on that. And at some point, uh, when we're all fully baked, we'll come when and share those When do you think that'll plans. be? When do you think that'll be at some point? I mean, well, how long do you wait until we sort of have a real sense for what the plan is? Yeah. Well, we don't have an exact timetable right now because it depends how fast these things evolve. But we're really pleased with some of the conversations that we've had throughout the industry in terms of what's the future of sports and how do we have a step function in the consumer experience so that it's not just sort of your father's old sports experience, but something that's bigger and greater. You know, we talk about next-gen storytelling. We talk about sports betting. We talk about things like Peyton and Eli, those curated, custom, customized 
ways to experience sports. And it's all about how to use technology, not for technology its sake, but to advance the storytelling, advance the integration, so that instead of it being a lean back experience, it's a lean forward experience where you're integrated and you're involved in the way that you want to be, whether it's got to do with fantasy sports, sports betting, or whatever else is on the horizon. Right. So, I mean, maybe we're in the metaverse here, too, somehow with, with I don't know, in, a, in the middle of a football game. <laughs> well, that, that essentially is what we're referring to when we talk next-gen storytelling. Right. We typically don't use the metaverse name for it because we believe that we've got a unique take on it as a Walt Disney company, but that is exactly what it is. It's that seamless integration of being able to not only consume the game, but actually impact your version of the game, whatever that is. But you feel confident that these ideas, which are not fully formed as yet, but you're clearly working on, will sort of create a new growth trajectory for a great cash flow producing asset, but one obviously that, well, you said, it's part of the melting ice cube that's cable. Well, and we certainly know the tailwinds that we have, uh, you know, with these new ideas that we feel confident in them. But we also know that there's headwinds in terms of that melting ice cube of the cable universe. And we believe that, you know, ESPN can become something as great as it's ever been and more than it we ever conceived of. So, Jim, there it is. More than we ever conceived of. Well, uh, look, he's right. Uh, I don't know if he plays fantasy, but what you would do is you go to their app. I mean, I have to give them the whole plan. I don't mean to, so I'm not getting, making any money off this. You go to their app, which everybody does, 55 million people. You make it so that when you see a, be- a, a player you like in the, in the metaverse, you can bet on that player, what's known as a prop bet, how many points he will get or how many points he won't get. Obviously, you have fantasy right in your machine. Why can't you just bet, go, instead of having to go to two DraftKings, just go right to one site? Uh, And you can use DraftKings to do it. So, I mean, I think that uh, when I get to Disney, I will solve this. I think I can solve it by the Super Bowl, all right? (laughs) They're counting on you, Jim. You know, I well, know they I haven't, they haven't figured it out yet. So they're, they're listening closely, and now, now they've figured it out, it thanks to, to you. Yeah. I just yeah. gave to him, and we charge extra for Schefter because Schefter is how the line changes. David, how about my New Mexico 300,000-acre uh, theme park? Where, where is yeah, he on that? Yeah, uh, they're nowhere on that. Yeah, they're, they're not really interested, from what I understand. No right. offense to you, I think it's going to be great. A theme park in the Permian? Yeah. I mean, think of the possibilities. Well, uh, Amazing, really. It's so beautiful there. He really shot that one down. Well, just look at the ratings on the U.S. Open for ESPN. And by the way, you see Federer retiring I a know. few moments ago. What a uh, class act. Yeah. What a career. But I have to tell you that this one is such an easy one because we're all on ESPN's fantasy. And we all want to bet, but we have to then pour it over to DraftKings. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to watch Schefter. For two hours before Monday night, I want to be able to place my prop bets on players. I want to be able to place my bet, and I don't gamble, place my uh, my bet on my handheld through DraftKings. One machine, and it's it's money. But I, I, I got to talk to Bob offline, I guess, huh, Dave? <laughs> Jim, you <laughs> mentioned Humana earlier, and uh, about a three-week high here on this investor day. What What's so, so important for certainly your club members to take notice. Well, I think that Yuvanna is uh, something that uh, Mr. Broussard said on Mad Money, which is that the flu's now worse than COVID. So money that they thought they were going to have to spend on COVID, it's, it's, they can go to other things. I just got the Yuvanna plan. I, I have someone, a Noreen Shevlin, who looks at my plans, just my, she's my CFO, my president, my CEO, but not my wife. And that's someone else. And, and what I've learned is, is that this Yuvanna has the best deal. Now, last year at this time, it did not. 
they have changed the focus of their deals. I urge people who do plan, just plan to plan to plan challenge, you find out that Humana's now the cheapest and the best. This was not the case a year ago. Interesting. We'll watch that. That's the S&P top gainer at the moment, followed by a bunch of uh, travel. Uh, cruise lines, we've got some upgrades of, uh, of wind today, that's up there as well. Uh, yeah, even, yeah. even Jim, as I'll tell you what, the energy complex is your biggest loser today. Nat gas down six, uh, yeah. diesel down five. Is that a rail dynamic? Well, nat gas seems to be, uh, yes, that we, you, go, you go coal, you don't have to switch to natural yeah. gas. Coal is all shipped, uh, obviously, by train. Uh, what I want to announce, uh, Julie Whalen, uh, who's a terrific CFO, moving to Expedia. I just interviewed Expedia the other day. Uh, now, I, I will say that Laura Albert has a terrific bench. She had an amazing quarter at Williams-Sonoma. But I, I think Expedia is a very interesting travel company, especially when you match it against America's Well, Express we do have the Southwest guidance on the current quarter. Right. They don't see any real hiccups, barring unforeseen events. They did note maybe a little bit less business travel activity. That, that's true, and Expedia would confirm that too. But, you know, this is part of the economy that I like, which is the service economy, the go-somewhere economy, the uh, extremely full uh, flight, uh, no more overhead economy, yeah. the nine-wedding-a-year economy. Yes, I mean, yes. this, this is where the money's going. But, I, look, I think I keep calling back to what you said, which is that the, the Fed has got to start looking at some of these weaker numbers. They can't just say CPI bad, Let's just keep uh, ratcheting. He has to go back to 2018 game plan where he said, he, where he realized, wow, maybe I've got to wait. I really kind of botched things by saying we're going to have 3-3-3. Three, three, three. So I think he's going to, I know he listens to the show, and I just say, Fed Chief, you can do what you want this one, but then maybe wait a little and get rid of that Hollywood Squares game that he plays with the, the different reporters. <laughs> They're all just trying to play gotcha. I mean, enough with the when did you stop beating your wealth. Like, let's move on. Well, we're going to find out in a few days. Uh, certainly the bond market is um, pretty stubborn here this morning, two-year close to 385. By the way, Jim and the CNBC Investing Club are going to hold their monthly meeting today, noon Eastern time. You can find out a lot more by scanning the QR code on the screen. We already teased some of what you're going to talk about in Humana and Danaher, I think. Before we go to break, uh, the bond report, as we said, yields continue to climb even as we got a mixed bag today. Uh, claims were a little better than expected, but Philly Fed uh, lower than expected, Empire the same, and industrial production. Don't go anywhere. S&P Energy is your biggest loser this morning, down about 2%. Some of that on the back of crude, approaching 86 again, although Jim did some work last night looking at the possibility of running into the 90s next month. Yes, up and down. And then, and There's then not maybe. enough people who are in it. It's no longer been a, being crowded long. It's very important. Uh, but we are seeing some declines in nat gas and diesel as well. We'll get stock trading with Jim in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. I know pay later's come under a lot of heat, but the one thing I think is really unfair was initially we understand the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau has taken a look at it, and, and a firm stock was down really big. A firm has probably been the leader of ethics and the leader in doing the right thing, and the idea that that stock gets hit, it just is fanciful. I think it's a shame. Max Lefkin's done a very good job about being fair. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, Block actually took it on the chin a bit this morning as I well. I know, but boy, I've looked at a firm nine ways to Sunday. That should be the leader. That's the gold standard of this issue. Yeah. Uh, David, a lot more coming up in the next hour, right? Without a doubt. Uh, more from uh, Chapek, of course, in our interview. We're going to talk about future of Hulu, uh, because also some qu uh, comments as well from, uh, from our parent company, CEO Brian Roberts, at the same conference yesterday involving that asset. We talked about that. And uh, then we're going to have a lot more from the interview with Hans Vestberg, of course, in terms of the future of 5G that they've been talking about for quite some time. And 
sort of his answers on when uh, when it's going to deliver. So, uh, yeah, without a doubt, people want to stay tuned for those two. All right, Jim, wow. and then uh, later tonight. I had some criticism about a company called Figs, but actually it was a criticism more than anything that's involved in the tire. They want to come on, show me how I'm wrong. Maybe I'll dress up in their stuff. It does, I, I don't know if it's me, Carl, but people are wearing it. Did you see Kanye <laughs> terminating his deal with uh, Gap? Saying they didn't open as many promised stores? Well, Gap is... I, I, I don't, I, they are nice people. Uh, we, at least we got the, the upgrade, I think it was of Nordstrom, right? Uh, Jeffrey's Can goes to Can you believe buy. they said that Rack is going to make yeah. a comeback? Yeah. Well, that would be something because Rack was awful. Uh, and by the way, downgraded Kohl's, another group of nice people. David, there are nice people everywhere. There are, thankfully. There are a lot of nice people. Yes. Theme park, David. Think theme park. We need all more right. theme parks. Yeah, New Mexico. Can't wait. Get right on that, Jim. We're all going to just love it. <laughs> I don't think David brought that up, but maybe we'll find out. Maybe well, I, I'm going to buy that 300,000 acres I put aside for them. I'm going to get an option on it, and then they come after me, and I'm telling you, nice to see you, Carl. You're going to be a very wealthy man. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you tonight, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, uh, David's got a lot more from one market in the next hour. We're hanging on to 39.50 as uh, financials doing okay, even in the face of some energy weakness. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.